Hello, and welcome to the November 7, 2023 episode of the Musical Universe of Professor Hurst. This is Craig W. Hurst, Emeritus Professor of Music, podcasting from my music bunker, along with my faithful canine companion, Carmel the Wonder Dog, to share with you my latest musical interests and discoveries. I claim no special inside information about the latest or greatest music, nor do I know everything there is to know about music. What I am is a lover of music. I enjoy several genres of music and I share with you what has currently caught my interest, old, new, outdated, and everything in between. Even old music is brand new if you have never heard it before. The universe of music is a vast one to enjoy. From my discussions, you might find something new to you and of interest to expand your own musical universe. I currently receive no compensation or motivation of any kind from any recording label, recording artist, or the estate of any performer or composer dead and gone to discuss their music and or recordings. Now with that out of the way, welcome to my musical universe. My guest today is Nashville-based country Americana singer-songwriter Mike Thomas. Thomas released his album, Diamonds, on July 21st of of 2023 via Electric 3 Records. An emerging artist, steeped in tradition and drawing from a wide array of influences and experiences, Thomas and his music have been best described as eclectic country with a vintage vibe. Recorded at Traceland Studios in Franklin, Tennessee. The album was produced by Trey Sasser, engineered and mixed by Joe Costa, and mastered by Brian Lucy at Magic Garden Mastery. Thomas grew up listening to a wide array of artists such as John Prine, Bob Dylan, Merle Haggard, Bruce Springsteen, Otis Redding, Delbert McClinton, and others, but he admits He is inspired and influenced by all types of music as long as the songs feel heartfelt and honest. One listen to Thomas's music demonstrates the importance of authenticity in his art. Thomas's raw vocals, coupled with his genuine writing style, give his songs a nostalgic feel that listeners cannot help but connect with. Mix that carefully crafted lyricism with real-life stories, and fans, both old and new, are sure to find that the music resonates on a deep level. For Diamonds, Thomas was joined by many of the same musicians who contributed to his previous releases, including Donald Bright on electric guitar, Mark Huta on pedal steel, Steve Colella on drums and percussion, Michael Sharp on keys, Weston Woodford providing harmony vocals, and Trey Sasser playing bass in addition to producing the record. 
Other guest musicians included Tanya Elizabeth on fiddle and harmony vocals and Micah Hulsher on keys. The title track, which was also the first single, is a poignant tribute to his father. It was released in June of 2022. Thomas explained, I wrote this song several years ago after my father lost his job of nearly 35 years. He temporarily lost his identity and his sense of purpose. It was difficult watching him go through this, but it was inspiring how he refocused himself and recalibrated his life during that period. Several of the album's tracks focus on similar topics. Over the last couple of years, many people have had their lives turned upside down by forces beyond their control, Thomas says. Many have lost jobs, careers, homes, family members, and more. Growing up in Knoxville, Tennessee, Thomas's musical journey has taken a unique path. He moved to Nashville in 2004, intent on pursuing a career as a songwriter, but quickly grew discouraged and set music aside for an extended period. He remembers one meeting with an industry executive that was instrumental in his decision to ultimately put his dreams on the shelf as he sings in the track, Before We Say Goodnight, from Diamonds. After floating an EP around town, he decided to take a hiatus from writing and performing after that pivotal meeting. Over the next several years, Thomas did not write or pursue music at all. He settled down, started a family, and had a full-time job before founding his own small business in 2013. His passion for music did not disappear, and he would frequently play guitar and sing for family and friends. Thomas's chance to get back into music came in 2017, when he was contacted out of the blue by a production company and booking agency that handled bookings for several venues in the Nashville area. They had found some of his music online and thought he would be a great fit for some of their venues. Aside from the occasional writer's night or charity function, I had not played with a band or released any new music in over 10 years, Thomas recalls. His longtime friend, Donald Bright joined him for that first show, and shortly thereafter, the Mike Thomas Band was formed. Since then, Thomas and the band have been building a following by playing clubs and festivals in and around the Nashville area and regionally. That first gig reignited a fire in me, Thomas says. I'd forgotten how much I enjoyed playing live music in front of a crowd. Around the same time, Thomas met Sasser, who convinced Thomas to head into the studio to begin work on an album. The result was Thomas's 2020 release, Three Reasons, his first ever studio LP, produced by Sasser. Thomas signed with Electric Three Records, then released Three Reasons Deluxe Edition in April 2021 which featured three previously unreleased tracks with special guest appearances by country and bluegrass artist Alicia Nugent, 
Grammy-nominated fiddle player Tanya Elizabeth and Southern rock icon Dan Baird, frontman of the legendary band The Georgia Satellites. Thomas plans to tour in support of Diamonds, and fans are encouraged to check his website and social media for dates. It is my pleasure to welcome to my musical universe, Mike Thomas. Hello, Mike. Hey, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. It's uh, really great to talk with you and to uh, have you on my show today and uh, learn. Glad to be here. Learn. Looking forward to learning more about you and and your music. Um, one of the things I always like to start with all my guests is kind of their origin story, their genesis, if you will. So I'd like to ask you, who or what turned the light on for you? What motivated you to play guitar, sing, and write songs? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so. Growing up, I was always around music. Music was always around. It was always in the house. Um, I would have to say if I had to give um, credit to a single individual for turning the light on, as you said, it'd probably be my grandfather. Um, he was a guitar player. He was a singer. Um, and uh, although he didn't do that professionally, uh, he did it uh, semi-professionally. Uh, before he was drafted and went into the Marines in World War II. And then when he when he came back from service, that just wasn't in the cards. So, you know, he went to work doing other things, but he he always uh he always fostered that that love of music in in uh in me. Mm-hmm. Um and he was always playing and writing and and singing. Uh he bought me a guitar when I was uh, just a little kid. Um you know, I don't, I mean, I guess I was probably five or six and I had no interest in it. Um, you know, I, I was into doing most things that little boys do playing ball and climbing trees and being outside every chance I got. And so I, I just, I didn't really have the desire. Um, around that same time, my mother enrolled me in, uh, in piano lessons. Um, you know, my sister, my older sister was taking piano lessons and I guess mama thought it'd be something good for me to do as well. So, so I went along and, you know, I enjoyed it. Um, but I was always the kid that, uh, you know, I kind of wanted to color outside the lines, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I wanted to learn to improv and, and play on my own rather than just reading the sheet music. So I don't know that I was the best piano student, but I, I did take lessons for a number of years. About the time I was uh, 13, 14 years old, I had a pretty uh, a pretty serious injury, and that ended my uh, sports career. And uh, I honestly, I kind of went through a really tough period as a kid, uh, kind of a depressing, dark time for me. And uh, lo and behold, um, and, and I lost my grandfather about that same time as well. But lo and behold, as I was going through all that, um, music showed up and I pulled that guitar out from under the bed, um, and began to teach myself to play it. Um, you know, I, I should also mention, I also grew up playing drums as well and mm-hmm. did that on into college. I actually played at the symphonic band mm-hmm. at the university of Tennessee. 
Um, so music was always around, but I think that that period when I was a teenager of getting that guitar out and, you know, kind of pouring myself into music as a as a way to find purpose and release um, of a lot of frustrations and uh, almost really depression, uh, if you will. Music, mm -hmm. I say, kind of saved my life at that point. Mm -hmm. So that's really kind of in a roundabout way what what got me into it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think uh, your story is not that dissimilar from from that of others that I've interviewed. Um, you know, you had a you had a good uh, environment with uh, music in your home and uh, and in a person that uh, you looked up to who, uh, you know, had a love of music and, and helped instill that. And I think also there's a common theme I hear a lot, and I, I would suggest that it's even part of my story, and that is that music is really a balm for yep. those those emo emotional uh, ups and downs that we experience in life and a wonderful release. And uh, so I think that that's, uh, that's a wonderful story uh, to share and, and something that uh, we as creative people maybe have is a common theme. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's variations obviously, but, but I, I hear, I hear similar things um, from uh, many people that I talk to. Well, when you, when we think about your songwriting, um, what typically has motivated you or motivates you to write a song? You know, it's a great question. Um <clears throat> I was having a conversation. I played a songwriter event uh, this past Friday night and <clears throat> I shared one of my songs for my new record. And as I was introducing the song, I mentioned that it was one of those songs that just came really quickly. It was kind of an emotional ride. It was written in about 20 minutes and I never went back and edited anything or changed anything uh, that basically the song just came out and wrote itself, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And, uh, after my set, the the young lady who had performed just before me came up and she said, uh, um, she said, you know what? I really gravitated towards that song. That was really a, a powerful song. And so we had a whole conversation around as a songwriter, you're almost you're almost chasing that song. You're almost always getting the pen and the pad out or the laptop or whatever you write on. Um in in pursuit of that moment mm -hmm. where the song just almost happens to you. Um, mm -hmm. and, and to me, it's a rush and there's nothing quite like it that I have ever experienced uh, that is as intense and, and emotive and gratifying as being in that moment when one of those songs comes. Mm -hmm. uh, now, those are the exception, at least for me, not the rule. So, mm -hmm. You know, I think that when you sit down and start or when I sit down and start, that's what I'm hoping for. But I feel like I'm always working towards that. But typically the songs come over longer periods of time. Mm -hmm. uh, beyond that, I think that, um, you know, I would I think a lot of songwriters would say that writing songs is a, is a way of saying or conveying the things that you that are in your soul mm -hmm. that you wouldn't know how to convey or or share otherwise. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So it, it's a sense of release um, 
for things that that maybe are are weighing on you, whether they're good or bad. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what keeps me coming back. Yeah, I I, I think that uh, another way that I, uh, I very often like to express, uh, you have to wait for your muse to spew. That's right. Yeah. You know, but you know that they say that luck is uh, the combination of preparation plus opportunity. Sure. And so, you know, if you're, if you're prepared, then when the opportunity arises, you're ready to grab, grab that golden ring, if you will, and run with it. Um, Would it be safe? Would it be safe to say that you probably collect a lot of little ideas here and there, either voice memos or uh, sketchbooks or something that just pop into your head and then maybe you flesh out later into a song. Absolutely. That's definitely how I do it. Um, yeah. I, I tend to, uh, uh, you know, I don't, I, I don't have the luxury of being able to write every day. Yeah. Um, I don't, um, you know, I don't, I'm not a lot of lot, like a lot of songwriters here in Nashville. I don't get up every day and go to co-writing appointments. You know, that's, right. that's not what I do. So, so typically what I do is I'm constantly gathering ideas. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I keep a list in my phone of ideas as they come to me. I used to do it on a little pad that I kept in my pocket, but now we have iPhones and smartphones mm-hmm. and so forth. And I keep a notebook, you know, and so I'll take those ideas and I'll kind of flesh them out. And generally speaking, when I sit down to to write, I am working from those notes that I've taken over time Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, because I may be a little bit unique in that, you know, months at a time will go by where I don't write. I -hmm. just collect and Mm -hmm. gather Mm -hmm. and kind of simmer on these ideas. And then I'm the type of person that I, I tend to work better when I say, okay, I'm blocking these five days. Mm hmm or three days or whatever it is. And I'm going to write. And I just get up early and I shut everything out. And that's just, that's just what I do. And I tend to work best uh, in that type of environment. I think Mm -hmm. it's also for me, a function of just kind of the season of life that I'm in, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm a dad, I've got three kids. I got two in high school, you know, one in elementary school. So they keep me busy. Um, You know, so I have to I have to make sure that I'm organized about, you know, mm-hmm. how I how I keep up with those things. Sure, sure. Cause those that's where your priorities are is with those kids. And and you've got uh, you know, you but you also want to find time to uh to t- uh take care of your outlet as well. And yeah, absolutely well well organized. Well, I find that that's that's not an uncommon way. Um I find that uh few I don't think I've interviewed very many singer songwriters who say, Oh yeah, I just get it right. The whole thing out occasionally. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But it, it, it's always kind of funny. I, there's a, um, I'll ask people, when do you usually get an inspiration? And they'll say, when I'm out driving in the car, and yeah, oh, yeah, you, you can't write while you're driving. So they, they might be, you know, driving along and they'll pick up their f- phone and sing a line or an idea into their memos, you know, that sort of thing. Or, or yeah. uh, I have a, a a friend of mine here in the Milwaukee area who's a she's a singer songwriter and she told me she usually gets her her inspiration her best ideas while she's vacuuming. Yeah, anything that just kind of takes your mind 
offline your yeah. your your conscious you know and then all the great stuff just comes up from your subconscious mind absolutely i've gotten and a ton the, of them driving and there's a line actually in one of my songs on the uh on the diamonds record and the line is uh i've done some of my best work on the seat of that old tractor yep <laughs> and i wasn't talking about plowing fields okay or i was talking about i've gotten some of my best ideas on the seat of that tractor so we used to live you know pretty far out in the country mm-hmm. uh, further than we do now we're closer into the city now but i would spend hours you know on the weekend you know on the on the yard, yard tractor so and mm-hmm. i you know, I have written entire songs on the seat of that tractor. I don't so I, I can identify with that uh, a, a great deal. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, yeah. I think that uh, I, I had a similar experience this weekend. I was, uh, I had a, a bit of a sinus infection. I went in to see, I went into the urgent care on Saturday morning. And of course, they're not exactly fully, you know, hugely staffed. They just oh, have yeah. a few doctors there. So. I was in the examination room and just sitting there alone. And, and uh, it's amazing how sitting alone with no electronic distractions, meaning not your phone or anything else. And all of a sudden ideas start popping into my head, musical ideas. I mean, it's oh, just, yeah. it's, just uh, it's freaky, you know, it's, in some ways. It's amazing what happens when you get still, you know, exactly with your yeah. thoughts. You just steal your mind and, and wonderful things come up. Well, I'm curious in your creative process, when you, uh, when you get an, an inspiration, what, uh, what typically pops into your head first, uh, a lyric or, or a line for a chorus or, or, uh, do you hear a melody or yeah, chords? No, so what, what usually mm, pops in first? Nine times out of 10, it's a lyric. Okay. It's either typically it's either a the opening lyric, mm-hmm. um, you know, and sometimes I'll have that opening lyric for years before I finish the rest of the song. But mm-hmm. um, you, know, my favorite songs are the ones that they grab you in that first in those first few lines and they take you somewhere. You they 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 make you see something in your mind. So. Uh, if I can get something like that, if I can get one of those ideas, then I know I can build off of that. Mm-hmm. Um, also, from time to time, I'll get a title or, you know, I'll get a what would be the refrain. And I'll think, oh, now that, you know, Daddy's Blue Collar is a great example of that. Mm-hmm. I had that title for years. OK. And I knew I would eventually write that song. And I just carried that title around until I found the, the inspiration of what I, you know, aimed to do with that song. Um, so for me, I'm much more a lyric guy than a melody guy. I think that okay. the one criticism that it, uh, that I do get with my music from time to time, you know, from industry folks is, uh, you know, to make them more melodically uh-huh. interesting. So to me, the melody is often uh, uh, more of an afterthought or secondary okay. to the mm-hmm. lyrics. And I, I think that's a product of just the kind of music I grew up listening to. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think that the artists that I always gravitated towards were more concerned with lyrics than music. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm I'm trying to to be consciously more focused on the melodic aspects of my mm-hmm. songwriting as well. Well, you know, I I, I wonder sometimes about uh, you know about the popular music market and 
you know, when they, when they, you tell me industry people kind of lean on you more about making uh, more uh, mel- focus on melody rather than lyrics is I wonder if the general listening public listens that closely to lyrics sometimes. I mean, I know yeah. I do, but sometimes people are just looking for a catchy tune and something to dance to. And, um, but uh, I, you know, I want to, you, you mentioned daddy's blue collar, which is one of my favorite songs on your Oh, on great! Your yeah, I you. love, I love that song. And, uh, and I think, you know, effectively, it sounds to me like you say you carried that line with you. It's almost like you, you had the topic sentence for the paragraph. You just needed to find the supporting sentences. Absolutely. You, know, you, you had this great concept you had this great idea and then to find you know kind of things to build around that so so yeah most definitely uh, yeah 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 i I really like that lyrical content of that of that song thank you Uh, thank you so much yeah um well then this kind of leads me to a a kind of a an aesthetic question if you will and that is uh you know we know that like the ancient greeks and the romans uh they used to talk about how the purpose of tragedy in a, in a play, in a drama was to serve as an emotional catharsis for those who were witnessing the drama. In other words, you could go to a play and you could vicariously experience the pain of one of the characters on stage without having to bear the actual pain. Mm -hmm. And, and so when we think about songs and songwriting, yeah. Do you feel like that you're there? There is an aesthetic purpose of your songs to perhaps provide an emotional cleansing for your listeners, uh, or are you just serving as an observer of human relationships and making personal commentary? Wow, that's a great question. Um, great question. So I would say both. But I would okay. lean into the former. Okay. I mean, you know, I, I I do believe that music and songs provide a an emotional release, and um, you know, many times, and I'm I'm trying, I'm thinking back through my catalog, and I I can think of a handful right off the top of my head that that were written in that way. Um, okay. that was the, that was my desired effect when writing those songs was to provide either myself and or others an emotional release around the, the topic that I was, uh, exploring, mm-hmm. um, that now that being said, I have in, in the past just kind of observed, you know, the human experience and, and I made commentary on it, but I think that my more powerful songs i guess you could say or the the songs that tend to really strike a chord with folks um tend to be more you know um emotional release type of Mm -hmm. type of songs great question well well, and i think or you know emotional release or or i would say uplift as well sure Um, yeah absolutely i mean i think about again daddy's blue collar because that was one of my favorite songs uh, you know, it made me think about my own father, even though my father was not a blue collar worker, it, it still made me think about my father and how, how much time he put into his profession and, and, and how he, you know, worked to provide for our family and so on. And, and, and there's, 
that's a that kind of a emotional uplift is a, is a, a release as well i guess i mean it's sure. a, something that uh is you know it's uplifting rather than, yeah. than necessarily uh flushing out or a, or a downer you know which sometimes yeah well and that i think that song was a that was actually one of the last ones that we decided to record for the record mm-hmm. um and originally I wasn't planning to make that song as upbeat and, mm-hmm. and peppy as it is. Um, but I felt like the record, it would, it was more suited uh, to be a, an uplifting song, uh, more mm-hmm. of a song of just kind of celebrating. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know, uh, and that song was inspired by my own father and my grandfather. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some very specific things in there about those guys. Um you know, my dad was a mechanic by trade. Mm-hmm. My grandfather raised hound dogs. You know, I mean, it was just there's a lot of those blue collar images in there, but it's not a it's not a song of, hey, you know, feel sorry for me. I had a hard time and I had to, you know, work to, you know, fight tooth and nail for everything. It's more of a, hey, you know what? These guys, they worked hard. They made sacrifices. So the rest of us, you know. Uh, could live well. And uh, I think that's something that's worth celebrating, whether either, you know, you're a blue collar worker or a white collar worker or, you know, anything in between. No, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. That's exactly the way it impacted me. Very, you know, when I I listened to Mission accomplished. Yeah. So you've got it. Well, hey, well, we're already starting to scratch the surface. Let's talk about your latest album, Diamonds. Great. Now, you've said that uh, uh, many of the songs on the album were inspired by people experiencing hard times. Mm -hmm. And what have you observed about the hard times people are having and what resiliency that they're able to demonstrate? and that you have maybe expressed in your songs? Well, it's another great question. Um, So, you know, I've been fortunate in my life to be surrounded by people who, um, you know, were were confronted with tough circumstances and situations uh, and and then able to face those circumstances and situations with, with grace and dignity and, and, um, you know, just vigor. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, that comes through, uh, in this album, you know, many of the songs on this album are, are about tough times and going through tough things. But I think there's a sense of, uh, optimism also that runs through the album. Um, and that's really what I was aiming for. I, I, I forget which publication it was, but one of the publications that reviewed the album basically made the statement of, Hey, this is a, you know, this is a heavy album. It, it talks some really, you know, uh, tough subjects, but you know, it's not a downer, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, there's a, there's an optimism that permeates. And that's, that's really what I was, was shooting for, uh, with this, uh, with this record. Uh, but I've always been inspired by people who, you know, just get it done. Just, Mm -hmm. you know, I I call people grinders, you know, people Mm -hmm. who just get up and go and regardless of their circumstance, they just keep moving forward. And I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there right now, especially these last few years that, that have really persevered. I started writing this record 
or, or conceptually putting it together during COVID. Um, and I think there were a lot of people in that period of time that were just having to kind of realign their their priorities and mm-hmm. and refocus on what matters most and 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 really dig in. Um, and I think that really went into uh, this record. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're you're right. Uh, the you know COVID was uh, was very much uh, life changing. I mean, I don't know about you, but I know we're back to excuse me, more or less normal, but still doesn't feel quite the same as it did yeah. before. Yeah, and I I agree, and I don't know how long it will take or if we'll ever, if it will ever feel the same. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's just one of those things, you know, you kind of, you kind of, uh, you kind of deal with, but I, you know, it's like, there's, I forget who coined the phrase. I've heard it a little bit. Maybe it's a politician. I don't know. It (laughs) says don't bet against the American people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That sounds like a political slogan. It does, doesn't it? And yeah. I, but I still think that's right. I think that we we have found ways to endure and to bounce back from from adversity, whether it's on a national level or a personal level. And and I think that that's uh, that's something that I think uh, you know goes to the core of who we are as a culture and a people. Absolutely, yeah, you know? most definitely. I mean, it's like it's like. Uh, like Bill Murray said in the movie Stripes, remember that your ancestors were kicked out of every country in Europe. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think it's important that we remember who we are and where we came from. And, you know, I, I feel like at times that, you know, we can lose that. We can lose sight of the people that came before us. Um, and I think it's important to not only think about that on a larger scale, but a, a smaller scale as well, like within your own family, with your own, your own community, mm-hmm. the people who came before and the people, the sacrifices that they made, um, you know, for us. Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm right there with you. I, you know, I think about, uh, think about my own dad and, and, uh, you know, some of the things that he went through, uh, and uh with world war ii and and uh and so forth and you know it's just uh you know a lot of people have had harder times than than we've had and 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 i think remembering that uh maybe eases our burden but also makes us stop feeling sorry for ourselves yeah for sure (laughs) for sure it should anyway yeah it should (laughs) well anyway you know as i've I've already kind of let the cat out of the bag my favorite songs on the album are the ones about fatherhood and the struggle to provide for a family. And so your songs Outback and mm-hmm. Daddy's Blue Collar and the title track for the album Diamonds are particular standouts for me. Okay, and great. We already talked a bit about Daddy's Blue Collar. You can go ahead and add some more if you like, but talk about Outback and, and Diamonds as well, or any other songs on the yeah. album. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I, it's, um, uh, you know, I'm excited that those are your favorites, um, you know, because quite honestly, they're some of my favorites. Uh, okay. Diamonds is probably my my favorite. Um, and Krista, Krista mentioned that you you might want to talk about those. And I was, was glad to, to hear that because those are the ones that, you know, I consider them deep cuts, you know, okay. if you will. They're not the ones that are getting the most streams and the radio and all that. That tends to mm-hmm. be the more upbeat, more, um, you know type of type of song 
those are a little heavier. So let me let me start with Diamonds. So mm. Diamonds, uh, Diamonds is is one of the oldest songs on the record. Um, I wrote that song years ago, mm-hmm. um, over probably twelve years ago. Um, at the time, my dad had uh, he'd lost his job. He lost his job that he'd had for about thirty five years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my dad's the kind of guy that his work is his identity. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he came from really humble beginnings and didn't have a whole lot of advantages and, you know, scrapped and grinded for everything he ever earned. And so when he lost his job, he lost his sense of purpose. He lost his identity for a while. Um, you know, and here's this you know, strong guy that I've admired my whole life. And he was just devastated. Mm -hmm. Um, And watching him go through that really impacted me. I was a, you know, a young father at the time trying to, you know, figure out what I was doing with my life. And uh, I watched how he uh, recalibrated himself and, and, and refocused his priorities and picked himself up and kept on going. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was inspiring as hell. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that was another one of those songs that came quickly. Um, you know, I can remember standing in my kitchen uh, in Nashville um, and the song just came and it was really emotional um, for me. And, uh, you know, it's it's been a favorite of mine ever since. Um, so when we were you know, kind of thinking about the album conceptually uh, and the songs that were going to go on this album, you know, Diamonds just seemed like it it had to be the title track. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you go to, to Daddy's Blue Collar again, that's, as I mentioned, a kind of a tribute to to my dad and my grandfather, but really to any any person who's, you know, worked hard and sacrificed to make the lives of their loved ones better, you know? Um, and so I, I, I tried to, you know, put a lot of images in that song that, that would, would convey that my grandfather was an old time country guitar picker and mm-hmm. singer. Um, I don't know if you know who, uh, Archie Campbell was, but, um, mm-hmm. my granddad used to sing with Archie, um, oh. back before Archie blew up and, became big and was on hee haw and all that type mm-hmm. of stuff. But, uh, you know, he loved that old time country music and gospel music. And that's what he was always around. And my, my own dad was a big fan of bluegrass. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember him taking me as a kid, we'd go to bluegrass festivals on the weekend. And, uh, so I felt like, you know, that that needed to have an old, old time country bluegrass kind of vibe. And uh, I'm not a bluegrass guy by any stretch of the imagination, but I feel like we got, you know, we got close on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I've had a lot of people tell me that they really, they really resonate with that one. Um, and then Outback. So Outback again, kind of follows that same theme. Um, interesting story on Outback is I was finishing the songs for the album. Uh, I'd had blocked off a few days to finish writing and, uh, you know, I tend to work real well on a deadline. So we were actually, I was finishing the songs and we were going to the studio. So I knew I had to come up with, with something. And ironically, um, or maybe not ironically, I, I got a random text message from an old friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
he says, hey, man, uh, send me your email address. That's all the text said. And I hadn't talked to this guy in so long. I didn't even have his phone number saved in my phone. So I, you know, I didn't know who it was. Mm -hmm. It was an 865 number, which is East Tennessee, where I grew up. And I thought, okay, this is somebody I know from from home. And I, so I responded back and I said, who is this? And he says, this is Nick Powell. And uh, and to prove it to you, uh, your childhood nickname was Goose. <laughs> that's what my dad used to call him. sure and i and i knew that no you know that was him. i knew it was him when he when he said that so mm -hmm. i sent him my email address and when i got home that evening i had uh about 85 90 seconds of a song mm -hmm. that nick had recorded on his on his smartphone and he just sent me the recording mm -hmm. and in his email he said you know i'm not really sure why but I just felt like I needed to send this to you. Um, do whatever you want with it or do nothing at all with it. It's yours mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. And that was Outback. Uh, and so I listened to it and it was raw and it was emotional. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, that wasn't the only song he sent, but that was the one that really, really stuck with me. Mm -hmm. uh, there were two songs and, uh, that one just grabbed me. And so I, I contacted him back and I said, you got to tell me more about this song. And he says, well, I wrote that song the day that I came home and I found out that my dad was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. And uh, eventually Nick lost his dad to cancer. Uh, I knew Nick's dad. Uh, mm -hmm. My dad knew Nick's dad. Mm -hmm. And they were friends with the family. And, you know, Nick's dad was, he was like these people in this record that, you know, that I was writing about. And uh, mm -hmm. I said, man, I got to finish this song. So mm -hmm. I got up early the next morning. Um, I finished it up and uh, I took it into the studio and uh, I played it for Trey Sasser, who's my producer, also plays bass in my band. And Trace, you know, he loves all kinds of music, but Trace is a, is probably a more of a rock guy. Okay. Um, and I thought, man, this is just as country as it gets. <laughs> I wonder what, I wonder what Trace is going to think about this. Uh -huh, and uh -huh. I played it for him and he loved it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we cut it that day. Um, and, you know, then we had uh, Tanya come in and play fiddle on it uh, a mm -hmm. day or two later. Um, and, and we had, uh, uh, Michael Holscher come in and play keys and accordion on, and, uh, not accordion, but organ on it. And it just, it really came together and really, I think, um, is a, is a powerful, it's a heavy song, but you know, it's a powerful song that I think a lot of people can, uh, can relate to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I, I've got a question for you that, that um, I, I didn't uh, submit. It's just one that happened to come to mind. So if you don't want to answer it, that's fine. <laughs> no, uh, shoot. no, I'm just curious because you brought up the idea of, of your production process. When you go in the studio, do you pretty much just take in a, a bare bones um, kind of structure for your song and then you let the other musicians and the production team kind of help you flesh it out? Or are you one of those that has everything all figured out and you just go in and, 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 uh, and, and record? Great question. Um, 
normally my process is to go in and take a song mm -hmm. uh, as a bare bones song. Okay. Um, now, that being said, I usually have a pretty specific idea in my mind about, you know, what type of vibe I'm going for. Okay. Um, and so typically what I'll do is I'll take the guitar in and I'll play the song on acoustic guitar mm -hmm. and I'll say, you know, this is what I'm thinking, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um, normally uh, it's normally it's Trace and I that, that come up with the arrangement and, and ultimately decide on how we're going to attack the song. Um, and normally we agree. Um, okay. And the more we work together, the more, you know, uh, we tend to kind of be on the same wavelength, but that, now that being said, there have been times where I'll take a song in and I will have absolutely no idea. Mm -hmm. I'll just, here's a song, you know, I don't even know if this will work. Uh, when the house is flush is a great example of that uh, on the diamonds record. Mm -hmm. I wrote that song with Weston Woodford, one of my good friends took it in. I said, I don't even, you know, I think this is a pretty decent song, but I, I don't really have a, a feeling on, what type of instrumentation, what type of production mm -hmm. it should mm -hmm. have. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was all trace. Um, okay. You know, he said, here's what we're going to do. Here's how I think we should approach this. We're going to have a string section and I'm going a string section. And, you know, he, he was right, you know, mm -hmm. and he took that song where it needed to go. So I'm fortunate enough that I've got a group of guys that I'm working with that when I do have a very specific idea, of how I want something to go. They'll, they'll try their best to honor that um, mm -hmm, and, and mm -hmm. improve upon that. But when I don't really have a direction, um, they can take it from there and let me kind of lean on them. So um, I don't know that I really answered that question, well, but I, I think it's a little bit of both depending on yeah. the song. No, I think, yes, you did. I, I, because I see one of the things that I, I, this is just me personally. I, I, uh, I like to think of music making as a communal democracy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. For lack of a better term, right? I'm going to steal that. Okay, I'm you can. making a note of that. Yeah, you know, um, <laughs> because, you know, I like to think that the people I play with are people that I can trust. And sure. even if they might suggest something that uh, I don't care for, they're going to be big enough for, if I say, well, you know, that's a good idea, but I'm not sure it's going to work here, but we'll try it and we'll see, you know, um, because I think, you know, two heads are better than one and maybe three heads are better than two and so forth. And if everybody has, I mean, the ultimate goal, like you said, you, you and your producer tend to think very much alike, which is, which is good, you know, that you can be on the same wavelength, but there's just, you know, there's lots of different ways to get to the same place. And you never know when that sideman is going to have an idea like, well, you know, what if I put this bass lick to that instead of what we've got here? You know, just yeah. I just had this idea and you like it and it makes everything better. And yeah. if that's what happens, then that's all the better. Who cares about egos about who's, you know, deciding, you know, what's what and so on. I think that's a wonderful creative way to work. So absolutely. And I, I tend to, um, so I, I use the same, uh, stage band mm -hmm. that I use in the studio oh, for the okay. most part. Okay. Um, so 
Now, you know, there's obviously guest musicians and things that, that mm-hmm. we have come in from time to time. But I think having released two LPs now with really the same core group of players um, that I actually am playing in the clubs and 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 venues with live, um, they know me, I know them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there is that trust factor there that they feel that they can speak into what I'm doing, that I want to know what they've got to offer. Um, and, you know, I'm a pretty thick skinned guy. If I take something in and it sucks, sure. I want you to tell me that, I'm, right. that I don't have it, you know. Right. Um, you know, but at the same time, uh, on the flip side of that, I've taken stuff in before and played it for Trace and been like, yeah, you know, I just don't know. This mm-hmm. is not going to be. You know, there was one song on my last album that I didn't even think deserved to be on the album. And then it ended up being one of the most popular tracks on the album in terms of radio play and streams and so forth. So (laughs) you got to realize that you don't know everything sometimes, you know? Yeah. That's really, that's really, I think key is, is, is recognizing that you don't know everything. Yeah. Having the courage, having the courage to admit that, uh, because there's not a whole lot of people that are necessarily like that but uh i, I don't think i was that, like that in my younger days yeah but, yeah you know i, I think you. i've mellowed out <laughs> i think maybe that's you know that's like uh like i heard this great definition the difference between knowledge and wisdom knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit wisdom is knowing that it doesn't belong in a fruit salad <laughs> <laughs> And That's I think good. wisdom is something that comes from age and experience. But anyways, yeah, most definitely. Uh, well, speaking of, uh, you know, uh, experience, who would you say, Mike, have been your models for your vocal style and quality? Mm. Mm. Man, um, wow. I, I don't know that there's been a vocalist or two that I've said, oh, I want to sing like that person, you know? Okay. Um, but there have been a few that I think vocally really um, have influenced me. I would say um, uh, from the earliest days, um, and this one may come out of left field, but Otis Redding. Okay. Um, you know, I discovered my dad's record collection when I was about 12 or 13 years old. Mm-hmm. And he had tons of Otis and I can just remember listening to his voice and being completely just captivated by the authenticity and the rawness in his voice. And I personally, I don't know that there's been a better singer since. Um, so Otis is pretty high up on my list, you know, in that same kind of, uh, uh, you know, bluesy, rootsy vein, I would put Delbert McClinton on my okay. list. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Delbert's music and, and, vocal styles um i would say uh bruce springsteen um you know he's not always regarded as the best vocalist but i think there's a a authenticity and an honesty in bruce's voice that Mm -hmm. uh, is quite powerful Mm -hmm. um you know in terms of country singers um merle haggard okay uh is a big one for me um, and you know, probably my favorite country vocalist is Dwight Yoakam. Oh, okay. Um, and I actually had the opportunity to see Dwight live a few weeks ago, and man, uh, what a voice! Uh, mm-hmm. It had been a while since I had I'd seen him, but 
you know, Steve Earl. Oh um, yeah. yeah. You know, I could, I could go on and on, sure. um, you know, with, with different vocalists that have influenced me, but I, I would say those four or five are, okay. you know, probably influenced me the most. In terms of uh, singer songwriters, who do you admire? And maybe even feel like you might emulate mm. just for just for their songwriting. Wow! All right, so let's start with like kind of the big names that everybody will know first. You know, again, I hate to keep going back to him, but I got to put Springsteen okay. um, up there. You know, I was telling somebody the other night there was a period of about a year and a half of my life where he's about all I listened to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I would put uh, John Prine uh, mm-hmm. in there. Um, you know, uh, Tom Petty, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Gordon Lightfoot was a big influence early, um, Mm -hmm. same, same kind of vein with the dad's record collection, you know, discovered Gordon and and John Prine, Mm um, Steve Earle's music has been impactful for me. Uh, Lucinda Williams, uh, as a songwriter is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, Rodney Crowell, Guy Clark, mm-hmm. Towns Van Zant, a lot of those Texas guys have been mm-hmm. big and, and influential for me. Joe Ely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll mention a few other names that maybe are a little, you know, lesser known. Um, huge influence on me is a guy named uh, Malcolm Holcomb. Okay. Um, Malcolm's out of North Carolina. And I was fortunate that when I was kind of learning to play guitar and write music that I got to see Malcolm perform a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, He would come over to Knoxville where I grew up a lot and play and, uh, you know, powerhouse performer, but just a fantastic lyricist. And I still go to his music uh, regularly. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, another influence of mine was a guy named R.B. Morris, uh, who was a Knoxville guy that I had the opportunity to be around. Phenomenal songwriter in his own mm-hmm. right. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of of uh, Daryl Scott. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I could just we could make a whole hour long podcast. Sure, but... sure. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's you know, it's just always interesting. You know, it's like if you were to ask me, you know, what trumpet players I admire. Uh, you know, I I would have a hard time narrowing it down to just you know ten or fifteen. Yeah, you know, because there's different people that you admire for different different reasons, you know, yeah. and and I think singer songwriters or songwriters are, are kind of the kind of the same way, and and absolutely, uh, you know, and um, I'm sure I forgot some really important ones. Well, oh, Jackson Brown, there's a big okay. one that comes to mind that I forgot. Sure. So, all right, well, kind of reeling back through the years, what have been some of your most memorable musical experiences? Um, wow. Um, you know, I, I I would say that, uh, I've got to put recording diamonds. Um, you know, this, the process of recording that album, uh, was a very memorable experience for me because, you know, my first album, three reasons I'm, I'm proud of it, but it was more of just, Hey, I've got these, you know, songs that i've been carrying around for years and now i'm getting a chance to record them let's go record them all right but in many ways i i feel like we were still trying to figure out who we were and what we were doing and the kind of music that we were making 
Um, by the time we got to Diamonds, I was very uh, intentional that I was recording an album, that I wrote an album to be an album mm -hmm. and that we were recording an album. And so, you know, it was a very uh, memorable experience to work with the guys in the band and Trace to kind of bring those songs to life. Um, aside from that, you know, um, on my last record, I had the privilege of getting to work with uh, Dan Baird, came in and, and played guitar um, on on one of the songs. And obviously, Dan is famous for being the front man of the Georgia Satellites. So mm -hmm. that was a really cool experience for me to have Dan come in and, and play. Um, you know, I, I, I think that uh, um, there have just been a number of, of memorable music ex musical yeah. experiences over the last few years. Um, but I think tops on my list is just the process of creating this record. Well, it sounds to me like, you know, it was, it was really uh, a very satisfying kind of experience because it was, you know, it was your, basically your, you brought in the clay and then you had some, you, you know, along with yourself, some other people help shape it and help, mm -hmm. you know, really make it into that, that uh, that final product that uh, you brought in the uh, the basic elements, the core for, and I suppose seeing something like that come to fruition is uh, is uh, you know is very exciting, and uh, I I don't necessarily would say I'd want to compare it to the birth of one of your children, but maybe it was similar. <laughs> I, I don't. It's know. pretty cool, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, now that you've you've got this uh, this album out. Are you planning the next one? Yeah, interesting. So, you know, you, you can put the album out. And then, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do was really make sure that we spent enough time promoting this album, supporting this album, you know, and not immediately turn my attention to the next record. Sorry, there's an airplane flying by. Um, it's okay. I can't hear it, so... Oh, okay, good. It won't be it's on pretty loud here, but if you oh, can't hear okay. so, so we've now just begun to kind of turn attention to begin the early thoughts around, okay, what's the next record going to be? Um, and I feel like I've had some discussions with some of the guys in the band, and I've had some discussions just very recently with Trace about, you know, what is this next record going to be? And I think if I were to make a prediction, I think you'll, you'll, the next record musically will likely be more focused. So what I mean by that is the Diamonds record musically runs the gamut. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, they're straightforward barroom country. There's Tom Petty-esque rock and roll. There's bluegrass. There's folksy stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I felt like Diamonds musically kind of spanned my influences. Um, mm -hmm. And I think for that reason, we're having a little bit of trouble with the record at radio. Um, it's doing really well streaming on Apple and Spotify and so mm -hmm. forth. But we're getting a lot of feedback that from Americana Radio that the country's that that the album is too straight country. Oh, and then and then country says, well, the album's too rootsy. It's too Americana. Mm -hmm. So we're kind of somewhere in between you're in a and twilight I don't know what zone. all that means i don't even yeah. know what americana even means but mm -hmm. you know to me it's a country record it's a country mm -hmm. rock record um 
And, you know, people ask me what kind of music I make. I say I make country rock, you know. Um, and so um, I think what you'll see with the next record is we will intentionally be more uh, focused, you know, melodically, uh, musically in a certain direction rather okay. than being as broad, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. I, 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 and I don't mean this in a pejorative sense when I say this, but I kind of got the impression that diamonds was sort of like picking up everything that you had kind of done over a certain period of time and putting it into a collection. Yeah. And, and maybe that's a certain degree. And that was maybe why it was a little more eclectic in terms of its different styles, because you as a songwriter, uh, you grow, mature, change over time. And like you said, you wrote Diamonds 12 years ago. Right. And then you're releasing it now. And then some of your other songs are not that old. And some of them are in, you know, different, different uh, inspirations and so forth. So I guess I can kind of see Diamonds as that, that, uh, okay, we're just picking up everything that we've, we've had and putting it together in a collection. So now that you've got that business taken care of, or you can say you close that chapter, now you can go back and say, okay, let's pick this particular direction and then focus everything around that. At yeah, least that's think, what I, that's what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, no, I, th I think, I think you're, you're right on there I, with, with diamonds, um, you know, about, so there's 10 tracks on diamonds, about four of those tracks, I think four of those tracks are older songs, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, that kind of made up the core of the record, you know, in your arms again, breaking the distance, diamonds um you know those those three maybe three songs those three songs i've had for years mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so when i decided that the record was going to be diamonds and it was going to be built around that tile cut then when i went to work in writing the rest of the record i intentionally aimed towards that mm -hmm. uh, so i think you're right in that moving into this new record it's a blank slate you know, it can be whatever I want it to be because I don't have any certain songs earmarked, you know, mm -hmm. for mm -hmm. the record. I understand. I understand. I've got another just kind of off the wall question that just came to mind and you can choose to answer it or not. But do you ever write a song that you when you kind of step back away from it, you go, this is a great song, but it's not really great for me. And in other words, do you ever write a song that you think might work better for somebody else? Um, I don't, I don't know that I would say that I do that often, but I, I have. Okay. Um, and there are a few that come to mind that have never been recorded, um, for that reason, uh, because they, you know, I didn't feel like they would work for me. Um, but I haven't really found the person that okay. they would work for. Yeah. Yet, but you might you know? someday. Yeah, mm -hmm, for yeah, sure. You might, you might find yourself writing, writing for other people. Okay. Well, I, I don't know, just a little off the wall kind of a question that just kind of came to mind. Well, let's uh, switch gears. Uh, if I were to come to Nashville in the next few days, where might I hear you play? Well, we're playing, um, this coming Friday, uh, we'll be playing at third and Lindsley. Um, and that's as part of the uh, WMOT Roots Radio uh, Finally Friday. Okay. So uh, WMOT is the Roots Americana station here in town. And they've been good to me 
uh, over the years and uh, they've, they've spun my records and, and they've asked us to come out and take part in their finally Friday uh, little concert series uh, on Friday. So we'll be live on the radio. Uh, you can stream it online um, uh, at WMOT Roots Radio. And, uh, you know, then we're going to be taking the month of October off. Um, we, you know, we played quite a bit in July, August and September, and we had three gigs last week. So we'll, we'll kind of wrap up the month of September. We'll take October off and then we'll be back at it in November. We're about to announce some shows, um, for the month of November and on into December. Oh, well, great. Yeah. You need to take some time off every once in a while. <laughs> well, I'll see what I can do. I've got my own gig Friday, so I, uh, maybe I can, uh, find a way to, to, to stream it and record it or something, but uh, I wish you all the best. That sounds great. Yeah. Well, thank Mike, you so much. You know, I try to be as thorough as I can and ask, uh, ask uh, as much as I can. We've been talking for about an hour, but I know I'm not perfect. So my last question, is there anything else you would like to add or tell my audience that I have not asked you about? Wow. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I guess I would say this. I don't really have anything I would want to ask the audience. I, I think, uh, you know, as an artist um, who generally writes alone, I, I usually write all my songs myself. I have two co-writes on the last record, but, you know, I'm always I always want to hear from from my listeners. Okay. You know, I love to hear like what you shared, that Diamonds and Outback and Daddy's Blue were your favorite tracks. I I love to hear from my audience. Uh, about what's resonating with them and what okay. tracks are they're connecting with. Because, you know, at the end of the day, I make music for my audience and I want to continue to grow that audience. And so I, I want to know what what they're loving, you know, so that I can aim towards that, you know, with uh, with future releases. So sure. um, if if, you know, you've got folks out there listening that are listeners of mine or they're going to become listeners of mine, let me hear from you, you know, shoot me an email, okay. find me on Instagram uh, and and let's let's chat. Well, you know, and I will tell you, Mike, and remind my audience that I do include your website and your Facebook page in my show notes. Great. So if people want to uh, connect uh, with you, they have that uh, uh, way of finding your site and doing so. And and we will encourage people to connect with artists that they do like to hear as Mike said about uh, what you like about their music and, and, and help kind of uh, shape what uh, they create in the future. So we'll encourage you to do that. Well, Mike, I want to thank you for taking time to talk with me today, especially if it's a beautiful day. Now you, you're done with me. You can enjoy the, the beautiful <laughs> weather. And uh, I want to uh, wish you all the best uh, with what I'm sure is going to be a continued successful musical future. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me and uh, I've enjoyed it. Questions were great. All right. You have a great day. All right. You too. Thanks a All lot. Right. My discovery composer of the week is London-based Anna Semple. Recent commissions include works for the Royal Opera House, The Sixteen, The Marion Consort, Waterperry Opera Festival, Wells Cathedral, the Choir of St. John's College, Cambridge, the Corvus Consort, 
Sansara, and the Wax Chandler's Guild. She has worked with a wide variety of artists, including vocal consort Exaudi, clarinetist Vicky Wright of Plus Minus Ensemble, members of the London Symphony Orchestra, and solo accordionist Milos Milojevic via Sapa's Composing for Scheme. Anna's first opera was performed at the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland in Glasgow in June of 2019, conducted by Stephanie Childress, and her work, Drop Down Ye Heavens, is published in the Multitude of Voices, SATB Anthems Anthology, which has been recorded by the BBC Singers. Anna is one half of Soul Poem, a new experimental collective based in cross-arts collaboration set up with Emily Palawan Collison. She is a composer-singer with Hexad Collective. Anna's work is primarily engaged with her interests in music and gender and explores processes of embodiment, both in performance and writing as a way of subverting the classic mind versus body, masculine versus feminine dichotomy. And she enjoys experimenting with the ways in which the things we see and feel can be communicated with sonic immediacy. As such, graphic and textual stimuli, stimuli are central to her process, as in is intuitive writing often incorporating elements of improvisation and collaborative relationships. Anna has worked with librettists Gareth Mattei, Susanna Pierce, and Caitlin Sullivan, and is currently in rehearsals with physical theater performer Emily Palawan Collinson, focusing on the intersections between sound and movement. Semple also works as a freelance ensemble singer, singing with a variety of liturgical and concert groups across London, including Tenebrae, Alamire, Ziglo di Oro, Ex Cathedra and Sansara, and St. Martin's Voices, and is an alumna of Genesis 16 and the Choir of Jesus College, Cambridge. She is a regular with the Choir of All Saints, Margaret Street, and a teacher-singer with Pimlico Musical Foundation. In my show notes is a link to a YouTube video performance of Anna Semple's Drop Down Ye Heavens, performed by the Recordare Chamber Choir. That wraps episode number 162. My show notes, along with links to artist websites, recording label websites, YouTube videos of artist performances, are all posted on my Facebook page, The Musical Universe of Professor Hurst. Next week, 
I'll be interviewing New York City-based trumpet player David Adewomi. David performs in a number of New York City-based big bands, and we have a great discussion of the challenges of his various performing situations. Other upcoming interviews include Eric Sandin of the San Antonio-based art rock band Buttercup, New York City-based jazz vocalist Lucy Yegazarin, Knoxville-based jazz pianist and composer-arranger Margarita Fava, and Los Angeles and New York-based big band leader, composer, and arranger Danny Yonakuchi. So don't touch that dial and stay tuned. If you have questions, comments, or a suggestion of an artist, composer, or musical style for me to consider, you may email me at h-u-r-s-t-c at u-w-m dot e-e-u. So until next time, this is Professor Craig W. Hurst and Carmel the Wonder Dog signing off from the musical universe of Professor Hurst. Have a great day.